welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz, and my guest today is Tom Martin. He is the author of The Invisible Sale, How to Build a Digitally Powered Marketing and Sales System to Better Prospect, Qualify, and Close Leads. So welcome, Tom. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So as I uh, went through the book uh, in preparation for this interview, you know, we I, I recently wrote a book, as many of my listeners know, called Duct Tape Selling. And boy, there's a whole lot of uh, parallel paths in, in these two books. And in fact, I, I think we both think somebody, somebody recently acknowledged that, that these books ought to be sold together. Yeah, it was funny. I was reading. I was saying I was reading years after we after it came out um, in May, and as I was going through it, I was thinking much the same thing that uh, maybe we were brothers separated at birth <laughs> because we really you know come at it from very similar uh, methodologies and approaches, which is good because uh, you know I like to think that someone else well regarded in the in the space thinking like I do is, is usually a good sign, not a bad sign. But yeah, 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 I kind of almost say, well, it's so obvious, of course we're, <laughs> of course we're both I, saying the same thing. <laughs> I, I, would, I do as well, but then people look at it and they don't claim it's so obvious, so yeah. I'm, I'm stumped by that, but I'll take it. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into the, uh, the, the title of the book itself. Uh, you know, what, 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 what's your compact, neat little description of what an invisible sale is? Well, it's really, you think about it, the way people buy today, uh, definitely in the B2C side, but also I find on the business-to-business side, um, you know, they're hiding behind the anonymity of a Google search or the ability to consume digital content uh, without having to actually subscribe and tell the content producer who they are. And that allows uh, today's buyer to conduct really a lot of that pre-purchase research that normally in the old days we would have had to call a company and request some sort of sales kit or request information and identify ourselves and become visible sales prospects. Today, that same person can conduct a lot of that research and remain cloaked behind that anonymity uh, and therefore it becomes an invisible sales or invisible sale opportunity uh, that we as marketers and salespeople have to figure out new ways and techniques to begin to try to turn that invisible prospect into a visible buyer. Yeah, and, and what's interesting about that, of course, is a lot of that's going on, both winning and losing is going on without our knowledge. And so, you know, does that kind of lead to, hey, we just need to be doing a bunch of stuff and hope some of it's working? Um, you know, I, I take, uh, you know, I think there's, you certainly can throw a lot of things at the wall and, and see what sticks and sort of do a read and react approach to it. Uh, I'm more of a fan of a strategically focused, I call it propinquity marketing. We talk about it in the book. We are, you know, I, I believe the, the best way to go about it is to go and really profile your, your prospective uh, target audience and who you're going after and try to figure out where are they naturally going for information with regard to your you know, category, your industry, your particular sale. Uh, where are they naturally congregating? You know, online and offline for that matter. So it might be a conference or it might be a, you know, a web community. But then once you've defined that, uh, take steps to provide educational and helpful content or, uh, or helpful information in those various propinquity points. And by, by tying those together and strategically sort of weaving them into a campaign, if you will, you uh, increase the opportunity for them to uh, discover you, uh, get to know about your product or service or you as an individual or you as a company. And as they get to know more about you, they get to like you, and then that positions you to be the you know the preferred uh, solution when they do move into that buy mode. So I, I think you, you really there is a way to strategically align 
what might to the buyer appear to be a chance introduction, but in fact you've stacked the deck in your favor to create the opportunity for that introduction to occur. Yeah, so at worst it's an educated guess of what's going to work at least. Yeah, um, yeah. So since you let the cat out of the bag, I have here in big bold letters the word propinquity, and I was going to do it later in the uh, in the interview, but uh, my first question is what editor let you get away with that word? Well, they didn't so much. Surely that had to. It. Surely that had to be a fight. I, I just know that in my writing experience, it's usually stop trying to use big words. It was actually <laughs> a fight, but not so much uh, in you putting it in the book. I actually wanted that to be the title. Oh wow! Uh, because when you, you know, when you look at the book in its totality, what it's really it's a book about how you as a company can create propinquity against you know, you know prospective target audience. But as, as you said, as a writer, you well know how that discussion went. <laughs> um, so the, uh, the, the negotiated position, if you will, was you cannot make that the title of the book. That's never going to fly. But yes, you can make it a chapter because we do see how it is a core theory uh, that supports you know, your entire marketing and sales approach and, how you, and why you think it works, etc. So you can have a chapter, but you can't have a title with sort of the, the net net on that one. Well, so my you know my listeners are much more educated than I am. So uh, maybe just for my sake, uh, define what propinquity is. Well, propinquity is a a social theory that's been proven many times over the last hundred years with research. And the law of propinquity is, states that uh, one of the best predictors of uh, the formation of relationship between two people is proximity, either physical or or psychological. So. You will tend to be friends with people you live next to, you work with. Uh, you see a lot of people get married to people that they work with. Well, that's called uh, industrial propinquity. Um, but then you also can see propinquity from a psychological that standpoint. Sounds, that's, I have to stop you there because I just I, I can't um, I, I can't pass how romantic that just sounded. Well, it's how I got my wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, it, it, it you know I did fish in the corporate pond and, and, and found a keeper. So. Yeah. Um, but it, it, yeah, it actually most of the, a lot of the research actually is done in the uh, marriage in, in uh, that space of, of understanding, you know, where 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 were people before they got married, and, and there's number of, of different studies that show. Uh, they, I think there was one. It was it was in Ohio or Pennsylvania where they took five thousand sequential um, marriage licenses. And they looked at the, and they plotted where the husband and wife lived, you know, as they filed for that marriage license. And it was some ridiculously large number lived within like a mile of one another mm. before yeah. they got married. Yeah. Um, and so you see that, and, and when you then apply that to marketing, the idea is that if you can uh, have your prospective customer uh, come into contact with, with people who work in your organization or content that your organization produces or even ads that your organization produces and always have a pleasurable experience because that's the key. Uh, there is a jerk clause with propinquity. If, if every time you and I meet, you don't like me, I can meet you a million times. You're never going to, I'm never going to get you to become a friend. Um, so you have to have a pleasurable experience. So as, as a content marketer, I have to put out content that actually rewards the reader and gives them something. If I'm always letting them down because I'm just trying to play link bait or I'm just trying to win the keyword game, um, I will not. They will not move through a propinquity process. They will not go from awareness to knowing to liking to preferring and wanting to buy from me. They'll get they'll get stuck because they just don't like me. 
Um, and so that's really, that to me is, um, in today's very highly fragmented marketplace, uh, where people are turning to so many different resources to gain information and content, um, that propinquity process, in my mind, is, is a way to really hedge your bet uh, and give yourself uh, the most opportunity to win uh, new prospects and convert them to new clients. Well, so, so let's apply that to that because, again, you, you and I both know there's a lot of organizations out there that uh, have marketing that is uh, tasked with generating leads and sales with closing deals, and the salespeople are typically out there scrounging for more leads on their own because they don't get enough leads or they don't get enough qualified leads. I mean, so, so how does that salesperson who's still uh, working in a culture of close, 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 or numbers, 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 I mean, how does that person take – a concept which may for some feel uh, a little slower well here in lies the $64,000 question doesn't it yeah. um, you know I I find that, that it's always better to show than tell you know I think that that salesperson who's in that organization and I'm sure you've worked with organizations like this as I have um, you, you, that's a, the salesperson who really wants or believes that this is a process that will work is going to have to commit to putting a few skins on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably going to come, unfortunately, uh, them doing it on their own yeah. and their own time, et cetera. But it is, and then when, you know, and when we work with clients to, who do, somebody in the organization does say, you know, we want to put this process in place. We want to, we want to move, we want to augment our existing uh, sales and, and marketing process with this propinquity and social selling and so forth. Uh, we will, uh, target the people in the sales and marketing team that seem to be mm-hmm. uh, the most inclined to want to do this, and we will heavy up our assistance to them and try to make them poster children so that they get some early wins that they can then tell about. And then, you know, it's funny, especially in sales, it's such a competitive environment. Right. As soon as a couple of folks hit some wins and, and talk about how easy it was and, oh, this was great, like, it's miraculous how many people get religion yeah. after that happens, you know? Yeah, and I've actually been telling a lot of salespeople that, that it's really no different than that person that goes back uh, at night and gets an MBA. Uh, that you know, if you're building a career asset, and you know, for you that might be content or, or you know, some speaking or something, you know, something that kind of raises you up in this game. Uh, but you know, it may come after hours. You know, it may come unpaid. Yeah, that's an excellent analogy. I hadn't thought of it like that, but you're you're right. It's you know it's an investment in yourself because at the end of the day, the only person you know who owns your career is you, and um, and you know certainly while it benefits the companies you work for, it's ultimately it's it's investing in you. Um, and it's interesting is that I, the other thing we tell people is is I actually I polled about a year ago. I polled a whole bunch of folks in the social media space, especially. And, and just said, look, you know, without revealing client names, et cetera, how long does it take? When you start to install a social media or social marketing or social selling program, how long does it take before you really first start to see the, the, the real results? Somebody gets a new contract or you start getting really trackable leads that are good leads, et cetera. And, and across the board, it was six to nine months. Mm-hmm. Without fail, yeah. that that somewhere between six and nine months is where the slow process, you know, the flywheel finally starts to catch traction and starts to spit out leads and, and, and contracts and so forth. So, yeah, the other thing I tell people that are thinking about doing is, look, you know, you can do anything for a year. I don't care what it is, you can find the time to do anything for a year. Give yourself a year. 
just invest and you don't have to be perfect just do something you know even if it's just you know finding out that all of your prospective customers are huge into Pinterest or Tumblr or LinkedIn or whatever social selling platform that, that they might be in and then really go be a part of that community right. and invest in it for a year and you will get some leads and you will get some better and more qualified leads you'll see some of what we call this painless prospecting stuff start to take off and at that point then you can then show your boss look I've been doing this on my own but look what's happened mm-hmm. imagine if everybody you know in the sales team adopted this process like the old adage there was a you know a salesman who best salesman in the whole company and he his average you know meeting rate on a day was like I don't know 4.1 sales calls a day and uh, and his ball and the, the company average was like 5.8 and the sales director called him in and said you know you are just rocking of it you know you're at 4.1 a day imagine what would happen if you would get to 5.8 and the sales guy says well hey, let me flip that around on you imagine what would happen to everyone else if they would get down to 4.1 his point was that you know I, I'm I'm making it happen in my system, which is different than the rest of the company. But my system works, yeah. and I think that's ultimately what it takes. You have to be able to prove to people that this works. Yeah, I, it's it's funny. Years ago, I always use this example. I had a, a client that we started working with, and they were chasing a lot of really bad leads, and so we stopped doing the things that was generating bad leads, and you know, a couple other things, and. I remember one of the first meetings where we were looking at quarterly numbers, and the, and the owner of the business was just just completely upset because leads were down significantly. But you know, then we tracked over and said, "Yeah, but you know, your closing percentage is up significantly. Your average deal is up significantly. Oh, by the way, your revenue's up <laughs> significantly." And I do think a lot of times, especially in in cultures that are all about you know close, 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 or dial, 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 you know, uh, that that I think we we fail to look at uh, some of the important metrics. Yeah, I would tend to agree. It's um, you know we we definitely have grown up in a world where people believe that. You know, it's really more about populating your, your database, mm-hmm. you know, your ACT database or whatever yeah. CRM you use, Salesforce, right. whatever. You know, and it, it really has been just put more people on the top, work harder, call more, send more mail, and and you'll squeeze more blood out of the turnout. As opposed to, why don't you just get the right people in the top of the funnel to begin with? It's a lot easier to move them down the funnel, and you'll get more of them to fall out the bottom as you know, as sales, as customers. Um, and, you know, but it's it's one of those things. It's, you know, I had a sales director a couple months ago. He hugged me when he saw me. And I was kind of, he's not a huggy kind of guy. <laughs> and I was I was like, what, what's that all about? And he said, man, I just love these internet leads. Yeah. I, we're closing 50% versus like 30% non-internet leads. And, I, and more importantly, I close them in half the time. Yep. Because when I show up at the person's house, normally I got to take them through all this information about our windows and why they're better and why they're more expensive. They've all they they've done all that. They've done all that homework on their own. They've usually got a couple of key questions I need to answer, and then it's time to sign a contract. And he said, you know, it's funny because I, I I feel like I no longer sell. I just close. Yeah. And to me, that's that's like I, I said, man, can I put that on a on a sign and hang that up someplace? Because that's really to me, your books, the stuff you talk about in your book, stuff I talk about in my book, same thing. Is it's really about, you know, as a salesperson, what do you want to do? Do you want to sell or do you want to close? Yeah, and I think the other thing that, that, that happens and occurs when you do that education and you walk people through the steps and you, you talk about helping versus selling, I talk about teaching 
cells is that um, you know what I typically uh, find is that you, no longer are you hoping and praying that people choose you you're actually choosing them you know whether they know that or not um, you know, if you if you guide people on the right journey you, you're actually choosing that ideal customer as opposed to the other way around no absolutely you know and and, and you really aren't you know, I think of my early days, you know, in the ad business, I was in charge of biz dev and, and I would spend my days trying to prove to companies that they should hire me. Yeah. And I look now and I say, you know, what do I do now? And, and I'm not proving anymore. My, my work, my, my content does that proof for me. You know, by the time I'm on the horn with them, it's really more about confirming to them, yes, you're making the right decision. Or to you too, or, or to you too, right? I mean, I think that's the way that works as well. I mean, that's. I think we've come to an an age, particularly in this kind of authority, you know, expert sets, where we're to some degree we're saying, is this a mutual fit? Absolutely. Well, and it's a lot easier to say no when there's five leads right behind it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yep. So, so we talked a little bit about social uh, media. Um, uh, you have a concept in this book that I really like, and and I've I've been promoting this idea of of you know don't reach out and just try to connect with people who can be leads. Uh, actually, think in terms of connecting, you know, being useful, connecting other people. And you, I think the term you use is social agent. You want to talk a little bit? You have a whole chapter on that. You want to talk a little bit about that concept because I th I think a lot of people miss that part. Yeah, I, I, you know, one of the things that I've always found in, in sales, especially, is if you meet somebody and they're in sales, they're sizing you up, and you're either a prospect or not a prospect. And you know, if you're a prospect, the conversation continues, and if not, they, you know, if you're at a networking event, they conveniently uh, develop the urge to go to the bathroom, or they their drink becomes empty and they need mm -hmm. another one. Uh, because in their world, you know, you're valuable if you're a prospect. You're not valuable if you're not. And the idea of a social agent is that you know there are going to be a lot of people that you meet in the world. Uh, or a lot of people that consume your content online, et cetera, that for whatever reason are never going to do business with you, ever. You're too expensive, your company's too small, um, their brother does what you do, whatever. But they're just never going to use you. But it doesn't mean that they wouldn't love to and that they don't wholeheartedly support what you stand for and what you do and love your product dearly. And so while they may never buy from you, they'll tell 100 people to buy from you. Or a thousand over the course of their lifetime, and it's to me, it's a really powerful, especially in an age of social media. Um, it's a powerful uh, goal that all salespeople should be should be putting in place, which is, who are my social agents? Identify the people that love you, but for whatever reason don't do business with you. But then, how can you empower them to be your your uh, proponent? Uh, and, and to tell people to do business with you, or maybe even more importantly, how can you encourage them or even train them to grow bigger ears on your behalf and hear about opportunities that would be perfect for your company or your product that you're not going to hear about because they're hearing about it in a social media group or mm -hmm. from a friend that you don't know and that they know, oh my God, that's a perfect thing for John. I need to tell them about John. Yeah, you know, and and that's just to me that's that's especially with social media and the amplification effect of that. That is just so important nowadays. Yeah, there's there's a person that um, um, that that I think really in my network that really gets this, and a lot of times he'll see I'm in some other city, and he'll just reach out on. Facebook or some other platform, say, hey, you, you know, I want to connect you with so and so because I think you guys have a lot, to, lot to in common or a lot to talk about, and, and he's really making connections for me. I, he doesn't even have anything I could buy, 
um, at least not that I'm aware of, but I'm constantly talking about him and his books and, and his process and, and this community that he started uh, because you know he sees the value in, in you know, networking with me not to get something, but but literally as a way to kind of further his connections out there and hopefully you know, mute, do something that's mutually beneficial. And I, I think that, that mindset is one that I, I think a lot of people get, but it, it takes work. Well, it does. It does. And I think you really see it in, you know, you look at the social media space, you see it a lot. If you look at a lot of the, the social media consulting space, um, you know, all the folks that are, are sort of really well known in that space, uh, tend to promote each other and help each other out, uh, which is kind of a unique dynamic in a category when you think about it. Because yeah, they're it all, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're all competitors, really, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. But they're all kind of subscribed to that, you know, all boats rise and there's more work than any of us can all do. So let's just, you know, make sure that we all rise together. Uh, but it's, a, it's, you know, they are great social agents of one another and they help each other open doors. And, you know, I just think it's one of those things that, that as salespeople, you know, if if we can understand that people can people who don't buy from us can actually be a more uh, valuable resource than the people who do, yeah. I mean that just really does kind of have, require a little bit of a head turn for a lot of folks. Uh, but once they see it and get it and start to understand the concept, they start to realize, oh my gosh, this is powerful. This can really be a game changer concept for me. So let's end with this idea that actually a lot of people start with um, the idea of closing. So. It, Let's say we're really, we've built the platform, we're doing the social agent thing, we're teaching uh, and helping, and so we're, we're, we're bringing people to the point where they want to actually seek us out and talk to us. How does that change then the kind of age-old art of closing for a salesperson? Well, I think the closing, you know, I call it a keto selling, but, you know, the closing becomes a more of a, of a guiding process than a selling process. And it's more of simply, you know, the person who's, who's self-educated, uh, they want to make their own decision. They want to arrive at that or feel like they've arrived at that decision on their own. And so as a salesperson, I think our job becomes less about trying to make the deal happen and more about figuring out what do you still need to know? Right. What question is still in your mind? What concern? You know, what, what do I need to tell you? How, how do I need to complete your education? in order to get you to do business with me. And that's really what the sales process becomes. I find it becomes, a, I don't want to say passive, because it's not really passive, but it's much more of that, uh, you know, trying to figure out what it is you don't know instead of telling you what I want you to know. Yeah, so there, so in a lot of ways, they're, I don't even want to say they're ready to be closed, but uh, but they've, they've really come along the path where there's just, in some ways, they just have to figure out how it's going to work for them. Uh, and, and I, you know, so, so if you're still getting questions, say like, okay, convince me why this is a, you know, is going to work for me, or or convince me why this is worth what you're charging. In my mind, you're not anywhere near closing uh, that person because they clearly are missing some significant pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, if the word convince is in there, yeah, that to me yeah. that's a huge red flag. But if it's, um, you know, if let's say that word convince wasn't there, but if someone's sitting across from you or talking to you and saying, okay, well. You know, I get um, you know, I get your social selling program, John. But like, tell me how that would work in my industry, or 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 how would you, or would you need to change the way you teach it in order for it to work for my sales force? Well, that person's basically telling me, I'm ready to buy. Yeah. 
just help me. I, I, I can't quite conceptualize exactly what this is going to be. And I want to be sure, I want to be 100% sure that I'm making the right decision. So all you got to do is help them become 100% sure. Yeah. Um, and of course, obviously, if in doing that you realize this is actually a horrible match, <laughs> um, I, I, if they hire me to do my social sell program, it's going to blow up because it will never work in their industry. I think you have to be you know, honest enough with yourself to be able to look at that person and say, you know what, I'm going to complete your education, but I'm going to complete it in a way that you're not expecting. You really shouldn't buy my stuff. You should go buy someone else's because yeah. in your particular world. And again, what you're doing there is you're saying, okay, you're no longer a prospect, but I can turn you into a social agent mm. yeah. and, and get you to tell 10 people whose system my system is perfect for tell them, hey, you know what, he actually told me not to do business, but you would be perfect for him. You should call that guy. Yeah. And that's, I think that's today's modern sales. Is it's, it's really, it's less about today's quota or this quarter or this month's quota, and it's more about life quota. How many sales are you going to generate over the lifetime of your career? Because sometimes that might be what you got to do is forego today's sale in order to make 10 tomorrow. Yeah, and, and, and that, you know, that sale that you kind of, cram in that isn't the right fit you know there's a really good chance that person's going to come back not as a social agent but as a social detractor because you're probably not going to serve them absolutely and you know their ability to tell like a billion other people <laughs> got amplified a billion times with yeah. social media etc so it's you know to me it, it really increases that risk of you know you really don't want to make that bad fit sale because it really could come back to haunt you yeah. um in, in a way that just you know ten years ago didn't exist. Yeah, I was, a few years ago when people were still kind of trying to learn, you know, what's this social media all about? I, I I had a presentation. I did the realities of marketing today, and one of the core you know, kind of five points was everyone knows when you suck. Um, and I, you know, I, I've stopped I've stopped using that slide uh, today because I think everybody gets that. But it, uh, you know, the 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 you know the buyer now is creating their own brochure. <laughs> Uh, based on you know everything they're able to put together, and I think when when we realize that, uh, I think it you know it, it screams that we have to change the way that we educate them. Totally agree. Yeah. So Tom, thanks so much for joining me. The Invisible Sale is available everywhere uh, books are sold, and uh, you want to tell us any uh, anything? I know, I know at your site you have some resources and things. You want to point people to anywhere? Yeah, we uh, we give away a ton of free resources at our website at Converse digital.com uh, we try to blog weekly and, and give away good helpful information of course anybody ever has a question they can find me on twitter at tom martin um, and thank you so much this is kind of a, a big highlight here to be on on uh, on your show you've been uh, someone i've read and followed for a long time so to uh, to get to appear on the show is kind of a nice a nice little feather in the cap well, so thank you well i appreciate you sharing with my community and actually um, uh, one of the things i've been trying to do more of uh, because you know we we interview I interview mostly authors on this show, and so often, so often in an author's life, at least to the world out there, their life and what they do does is really consumed in the book. Um, your life started when when somebody heard about you because you wrote a book or something. But uh, tell me a little bit about what you do as an agency or as a company too. I, I think that would be interesting for my listeners to hear as well. Our primary uh, primary role that we play for companies is uh, primarily we do social reconnaissance. So we've developed uh, some protocols and methodologies to mine publicly available social data to develop very highly targeted and very concise audience and target profiles. And we do that both in a consumer side uh, and a B2B. Uh, all the way, in fact, all the way in B2B, we do it all the way down to we will profile individual leads 
to give salespeople uh, much more insight as to who that person really is, what their hot buttons are, et cetera, which they can use during the selling process. And then the other side of what we do uh, is build uh, what we call painless prospecting uh, programs for companies. So we will go in and uh, do wor- workshops where we really help the marketing people and the salespeople come together on common ground and begin to understand how the two can work together uh, in a far more integrated and, and helpful uh, way to sell more effectively in this new invisible sale, you know, digitally motivated, uh, digitally powered world. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, the URL for that site? Uh, Converse, like the tennis shoe, yeah. digital. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tom, for joining us, and I'm sure that it won't be long before I'll run to you out there on the road. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me. I appreciate it.